it's that time again. The calendar has advanced a couple of weeks. Um, we haven't talked since just after we did PHP Tech One, and we talked a bit about our experiments with arcade games, and I was fooling around with Go from Google, and I can maybe talk about that. I don't know if we have enough time, but we've reached episode number 34 of the Development Hell Podcast. Before we go any further, we must say thank you to our sponsors at Engine Yard, Trailblazers, and fine purveyors of platform as a service. I was a little sad to see Orchestra.io get, I don't know, shut off and folded back into Engine Yard's offerings, but if you're into the PHP stuff and you're looking for a little sandbox a scalable sandbox within within which to run your applications, I highly recommend it. So, Ed, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I didn't. I don't think I actually ended up crying yet today, so I think that's good. Well, today's not over. So yeah, it's true. So maybe. Yeah. And today is Canada Day. It's Canada's 146th birthday, I believe. That's right, you young whelps. That's right, bunch of whippersnappers uh, to the acting as America's hat. Yes, America. Or someone said Canada exists to keep America from exploding. I don't know. That seems kind of apt. We probably need it. Um, so to celebrate Canada Day, uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, we have Sarah. Sarah, I don't, I don't, because I, I have a difficult to pronounce last name, and people butcher it all the time. I don't want to butcher your last name. How is it correctly pronounced? Well, it depends who you ask. It might be Goldman if you're the uh, the spammers who keep calling me. Uh, but it's Goldman, thank you. Yes, Sarah. So like Goldman. Goldman, but with a G on the front. Uh, a bit like that, but it's Mon, not Man. It's Goldman. <laughs> Molman. 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 That's like Molman. A Jama- Molman. I'm I'm okay with that. That's the same. So, Molman a, so a Jamaican, so a Jamaican underdweller, Molman. Molman, is Molman. You dropped your blunt. All right. Anyway. Now that we've gotten the racist part of the podcast, yeah, I was say, you had, to, get you to, had to go racist there. I think that was more nationalist <laughs> than racist. But anyway, continue. It's, with it's your Canada racism. Day. We're all red. And, we're all red and white here today. So that's all I really. God damn it! I'm so offended. This is just like Peach Penis all over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, ethnocentric. Oh, it, yes, was, it was lovely having Sarah on the show, but we have to move on to other things. Um. So before we uh, start, uh, well, we'll introduce Sarah a little bit. I asked Sarah to come on the show because Sarah has been a longtime member of the PHP community, doing tons of work on internals. And now that uh, she works for Facebook, she has been, if not the only person, probably, I don't know, you're probably doing, what, 99% of the work on uh, HHVM and some of the other cool skunk worky type things that Facebook is doing with PHP. Would that be accurate? Not at all. I'm not doing anywhere near 99%. We actually have a big team working on HHVM. Um, what I've been doing is sort of the open sourcing of it. I've been getting oh, it out okay. to the public, making sure things work on different platforms, of course, because our internal thing you know, focuses on what Facebook cares about. Um, but there are some people here who are so goddamn smart. They do, I'm sorry, is this a PG podcast? No. They're so <laughs> gosh darn smart that uh, they scare the hell out of me. Um, so, and, and they do all the real work. So you're de-skunking it. Is what you're saying? I'm putting a little bit of, of the defunking on it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, skunk works. De, skunk. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, I got that. I, sorry, I, no, I that was a mistake. That was. We got to We should probably just start over. Just yeah. <laughs> no, we're not starting over. No, we're, we're doing the we're doing the Bill O'Reilly. Fuck it, we're doing it live. Fuck it. <laughs> okay, so before we start talking technical stuff with Sarah, um. 
Ed told me that he hadn't been monitoring the the DevHell Twitter thing, and I don't look at it because I've forgotten what the password is. So the two of us are morons. So he found that we had a question from Lee Davies, and of course we were talking about his Twitter handle being LeeDave84, and we hypothesized that it meant he was born in 1984, which means he's going to be 30 next year, and it makes me feel old, it makes Ed feel old. But but his question was, and I'm going to read it here, I'm wanting to ask, how do you guys find time slash energy for a passion that's also your job? As in learning new tech, you don't have the time to during work hours, but also not burning out and wanting to step away from the computer. Well, I, I, I can start off with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoy programming. I still enjoy programming. Um, and I will be brutally honest. Sometimes I don't enjoy uh, my job. And not it's nothing about this job. It's just the job in general, working for somebody. Because I was complaining about this on Twitter, that oftentimes I see that my friends are doing things that I find cool. And then I ask myself, what am I doing that my friends would find cool? And then it usually hits me that what I'm doing, what, the things that I actually enjoy doing programming-wise are distinctly not cool. They're like getting people to write tests and do sane developer workflows. Now, those, where whereas they are extremely helpful things, I don't think they're really cool. So um, I, I just find when my job starts to become the suck, um, really I have no recourse but find something that makes it unsuck, whether it's a project I get to do at work or when I start compartmentalizing out my work and say, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of time doing work stuff and then I'm going to spend 10 minutes screwing around on something else. And then I find if I start oscillating back and forth between those things, um, I generally get out of the bad place and the job stops being the suck again. Um, so, I mean, I like for me, uh, one of the downsides of working from home is sometimes I feel like the job never stops because all the th- all access to everything that I kind of feel like doing is always here. So I do spend a lot of time reading, researching, and thinking about stuff that I would do rather than the thing that I'm doing right this millisecond. And I'm sure I'm not different from a lot of people. But the passion stuff, I just I just keep going because it's the only way I know how to do things. I feel like a shark sometimes. I keep swimming or I'm going to die, um, job-wise anyway, not literally because that would be weird. I Yes. Um, that's aggressive of you, sir. And <laughs> uh, Well, I was going to say that I think the key thing is you should only be doing it really if you want to do it. I think that... Um, I, I generally, I think that uh, most of the programs I run into enjoy doing it. Although I guess I've run into a few people, it seems like they only do it just because it's it, they thought they were going to make some money, um, or it was going to be a relatively easy job. But um, I, you know, I guess my feeling is that uh, if you feel yourself getting kind of burned out or something like that, that means you should immediately stop. Like, I mean, obviously, unless you're, like, on the clock, in which case maybe you might just, like, take a break and then come back to it. But, uh, you know, the stu- it, when it when it's your own time, you should do whatever you want to with that. And um, if... Uh, so I usually use some of that time to do things like I might spend some time learning some new stuff. Um, but I also get to do a lot of that on, on the job. Like there might be time where things are a little like there aren't aren't so time sensitive, and I can uh, spend a little time researching something that seems interesting to me. That's sort of like I think it's an important thing to do and to allow developers to do um, is to give them some time to keep up with stuff and 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 keep honing their skills and and growing their skills. Uh, but I I don't know I do tons of stuff that's not like development related outside of 
work. And, uh, I think that's good. You know, spend time, I, you know, watch TV and movies a lot and I play video games and I collect that stuff and, you know, try to spend a little bit of time with human, other human beings and, um, stuff like that. And I think, you know, having, I think it's, it's particularly if you have, uh, any kids or, uh, if you, uh, have a significant other or something like that, obviously I think it's important to spend time with them too. So that's super important. And, uh, so I guess the thing I, what I was going to say, I guess the main thing I'm, I guess I'm saying about, uh, what he said was, you don't want to, I think that you do kind of have to be careful about burning out. And I think it's important that you take that free time, uh, that's not during work, during work hours. You don't have to be doing crap like 24 seven on that. You should be doing it because you want to do it and you, it's exciting to you. And, uh, I think the other thing that I'd say I do that's different is sometimes I can get involved in, in different aspects of, um, like open source stuff like community building or things of that nature that maybe aren't specifically programming, but you kind of get into stuff like that. And that sort of like keeps you involved with tech, but it's not necessarily programming and it kind of keeps it switched up a little bit. Now I'm done talking. So someone else should talk. Well, you know, that, sorry, my laptop just went into sleep, not sleep, but locked. Anyway, um, Ed, you said the exact same thing that I have just been sitting here nodding and thinking to myself. You know, yeah. if, if you're not enjoying, like completely enjoying what you're doing, then you're probably doing the wrong thing in any field that you're in. Yeah. And like I have left probably three jobs throughout my entire career, and they have always been because I'm not getting anything passionate or exciting out of this anymore. So there's nothing here for me. And when it comes to doing things on the side, I'm doing things on the side because I am so excited about what I'm doing that I can't get enough of it at work. So I need more. Like I'm filling that void rather than, oh, do I, can I get more energy? Can I get more time? Can I get more enthusiasm to do this? Um, it's the other way around, you know? Well, yeah. So that, yeah, totally. And coming from somebody who, as smart and as accomplished as you, I'm sure Lee will take that to heart. Awkward. Okay. <laughs> Awkward. Well, I mean, you know, it is true. If you if you're not enjoying your if you're not enjoying, I don't know. I think you can enjoy programming, but not enjoy the job that you're happening to do right at the particular oh, sure. moment. Yeah. Oh, and in, um, but, in a particular moment, you can yeah. hate what you're actually having to do. Um, my ex coworkers at Yahoo created an account called Is Sarah Pissed. Because when I would have to do something I didn't want to do, I would just start yelling and screaming and and swearing all kinds of obscenities at the computer. And um, it's it's not up there anymore, but it used to be a Twitter account. Is Sarah pissed? Nice. That sounds familiar. They, I think they probably have something like that at Fictive Kin. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, burnout is a is a real issue. Um, And I'm glad Ed brought that up because really, it's like. Easily said, if you're feeling overwhelmed or whatever, just back off a little bit. The world's not going to end unless you have like a really terrible employer. They're going to understand if you're like, listen, man, I'm just not feeling it today. My head's not in a good spot. And I have like have an afternoon to kind of just go bury my head in something else. And then tomorrow I'll be ready to jump back into the fray. Although maybe I'm just lucky because I have understanding employers, but um, you would think that most employers would understand that the idea that, you're going to get top-notch work out of people for um, eight to twelve hours a day, five days a week. Um, you know, twenty-six weeks a year is just not going to happen. 
Um, I think that's a really weird way. To, uh, no, what did I say? 26, no, 52. Never mind. Because, you know, good programmers at a startup, you never take any vacation time anyway. Never, never, ever take unlimited. All right, yeah. so, so enough about, so we hope we help Lee to get you to understand that. Um, Lee's problem uh, is solved. Yeah, Lee's problem is solved. So, so Sarah, let's let's start talking about why I wanted you to come on here. So I saw your talk at uh, Midwest PHP. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you talk- sitting in the back of the audience. Yes, and you expressed some reservations because I was there. I have no idea why because my C skills are non-existent. So there's not like I could look at your code and, and critique it and, and say where are the tests and all that other wonderful stuff. I had, um, I had reservations about you being in the back of the room. Well, you said, oh, great, look who's here at the back. But anyway. Oh, because I was expecting you to troll me. Ah, troll. I would never, I never troll people. You haven't been mistaken for somebody else. Um, So I want to talk about um, uh, HHVM, hip hop VM. uh, And our sacrificial virgins. Yes. Yes. Sacrificial virgins. Yes. Uh, So tell us, tell us about what it is and why Facebook built it and where you think it's going now. Absolutely. Um, HHVM is the hip-hop virtual machine. It's basically a complete re-implementation of PHP from the ground up. It is not HPHPC. And HPHPC was sort of the previous version, the hip-hop compiler. Um, That was a translator from PHP to C++, and then we would throw everything at GCC to compile. That was horrible for development, but it got the job done. HGVM is not that, and I just want to underline that because people keep thinking that we're that same thing. Um, HGVM behaves exactly the way PHP does in terms of just using it. You know, you you create a file, you drop it into your web root, you load up the page, there's your results, it's running PHP. Uh, but under the hood, it's 100% different. Um, the internals of PHP and the internals of HGVM look nothing alike, and not just because one's written in C and one's written in C++. Um, what we do in HHVM, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I'll use hip-hop and HHVM interchangeably, and I shouldn't, uh, is that we we first compile all the source code into bytecodes, which are sort of like the machine-readable version of your source code, um, and run it. And that's the same thing that PHP does, but then on top of that, we throw in this just-in-time compiler that turns those bytecodes into machine code so that things are running natively. You don't have that interpreter in the way of everything. Um, and then, of course, we had to rewrite all of the runtime because the calling semantics between the functions are completely different. Um, but yes, in short, it's a rewrite of PHP. Oh, and why? You also asked why. <coughs> yes, why? Why? Why do all that? Why do go all that trouble? Why not just use PHP? Well, um, Facebook used PHP initially. It's what it was built on. Um, so yay PHP. Uh, trouble is, um, as fast as PHP is, and it is really good at running bad code quickly, uh, credit Rasmus with that quote, um, <laughs> it has an upper limit on how quickly it can run because it is this sort of, um, this, this sort of virtual machine that sits in the middle between your code and the processor. Um, in order to be able to run code really, really, really fast, um, we've got to get rid of that layer in the middle. We've got to be able to run these things natively. And what we've seen is that we get about a 500% uh, performance improvement by running our PHP code through this HHVM JIT uh, compared to regular PHP in terms of um, uh, actual CPU time spent. Now, that's not counting blocking operations like file and database and things like that, which tend to be your actual slow parts of your process. But when we look at TTI, you know, the, the actual time to interaction for the user, 
we still see about a 200% improvement relative to regular PHP because it's just moving that data around so much faster. Um, and that's why we did it. We did it because we needed our site to run faster on less hardware. Um, you, know, we, you know, we built that uh, data center up in Oregon. We would have to build six of those data centers to be able to run at the same um, level of traffic as, as we do now. And that would be an insane amount of money. Now, did you accomplish that by using single quotes? <laughs> yes. That's what really made the difference. <laughs> single quoting our strings instead of double quoting. <laughs> oh, that was good, Ed. I was holding on to that for like for like a, a, a good minute, just waiting for a chance to say, yeah, sorry. I mean, it makes sense to Facebook because uh, they have so much PHP code um, kicking around that uh, a rewrite in a more uh, hipster-approved language uh, clearly wasn't going to happen. Um, so um, uh, I just mind wiped no, for well, a second you're, here. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, it's actually sort of a, a, a bit of um, uh, of lore that, um, oh, I've dropped his name, Hyping, um, the engineer here who wrote the first version of, of HPHPC. Um, it's sort of a, a bit of, uh, of apocryphal lore. That's the word I was looking for that he wrote it in the interest of being able to convert our entire code base to C++ permanently so that all our engineers would now write the site in C++ and everything would be fast and awesome and wonderful and we'd have direct integrations with the back end. Um, I have no idea if that's true or not, but uh, yeah, I mean, the reality is, you know, rewriting our entire code base, which is, uh, to use my boss's words, a holy fuck amount of code, uh, would be completely uh, unreasonable. Uh, so we either do this artificial translation that's machine-based and then continue from there, training up all of our engineers on how to write C++ code, or we write this thing that redoes that every single time we push the site. Because, like I said, I, kind of, it's, I find it interesting because one of the things I've always been somewhat fascinated by is the idea of of compilers and and just in time things and because it's it's ironic because I find these things interesting but um, I would have absolutely no idea how to go about writing one of th one of these things or even building it and I know uh, that someone who's a Ruby guy wrote a really interesting book called Write Your Own Programming Language in Thirty Days I think it's called something like that it was kind of interesting how he they went about here's how you would build a uh, an interpreter um, for a, another language and you implement it in Ruby and so. I think the reality of, of of all this as well is that by having HHVM, it lets it makes it easier for Facebook to find people. I would imagine as well to work on Absolutely. the code base yeah. because it's it's probably I would imagine it's probably way easier to teach a semi competent programmer to build web apps in PHP as opposed to trying to teach them to build web apps in oh I don't know C plus plus. Well, so, part of it is um, that we have our engineers writing code that's going to go into production on day two. Right. Imagine doing that if our entire code base is C++ and like you have to learn what all of our templates do, what all of our where all of our classes are living and how they interact um, and you know, God forbid how many defines you might have. Um, it, it's a whole different level of finding that engineer who can do that. Right. So um, I said in the notes that I'm going to get Sarah to give us a proper link to find HHVM 
um, if you want to grab and download, because I've tried to find it a couple of times. I was told, oh, just search for this thing and that thing. And yeah, I never found the proper link that I thought was giving me good instructions on how, like if I wanted to spin up like a vagrant box to fool around with some of this stuff. Um, so I, I know that you had talked about this in, in presentations as well. When you, when you compare the ver, the implementation of PHP that HHVM supports, um, now when I talked to you before, it was, you're doing your comparisons of it versus PHP 5.2 in terms of like it's 500 times faster or 200% less resources or whatever. So what's the current status of, of HHVM in terms of which implementation of PHP is it currently closest to in terms of feature completeness, if that makes sense? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually did mention that when I do my full presentation at a conference. Um, that 500% number is actually relative to 5.2 because that was the last version of PHP that we ever ran Facebook against because um, we have diverged the language some up. We've added features like generators we added very early on, and we've added some other features that PHP doesn't support. So we can't actually run our current code base on normal PHP, so we can't get exact numbers in terms of CPU utilization. We can only make kind of some best guesses about, well, here's our performance differences, here's the performance differences on regular PHP. Um, we're probably still in the 500% ballpark, but it's hard to say exactly. Okay, uh, so, we had a, so we have a question in the IRC from uh, 15.3, yeah, so who, I, who, who I know is one of my coworkers at... Um, at Cinecore, I just blanked out on his name because I know it's Canada Day and it's nine thirty and whatever. So he was saying he thought he wanted to know what feature rewrite of PHP contributes the greatest improvement, um, or is it just simply uh, overall in terms of because you're kind of like you're using you're not using all the features, you're kind of using a subset, and then you have extended the language and that HHVM supports features that aren't included currently in, in PHP. Although I know, and we can talk about this later, that some things that you guys came up with at Facebook actually got backported to uh, the main MR. I guess we could start calling it MRI, the main reference. Uh, implementation, uh, yeah. Implementation of PHP. So wh when you guys started working on what, like you said, what did you, what, you know, was there one thing that helped improve the performance or is it just, kind of tweaking everything in a choice to kind of compile it down to C++. I mean, what helps you get such a big boost? Um, well, that, that's a, that's a loaded answer because it's a, the the link, sorry, the implementation has been going through a lot of evolutions over the course of the years. Um, obviously hip hop did not just suddenly burst into being, um, when it was first implemented, Hyping's implementation, which actually had a lot of little crutches that would go back to regular PHP for certain bits of the runtime. Cause he couldn't just sit down and rewrite the entire runtime all at once. Um, we actually, the uh, name of the extension literally was crutch. Um, at that point in time, we saw about a two and a half percent improvement. Oh, sorry, two and a half times improvement, not percent. Um, and that was just sort of an, an overall gestalt of uh, re-implementing each of the opcodes. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly which one gave the best result. Uh, my sort of guesses based on what I know about the internals is that function calls would have gone way, way down because those translate into direct um, function calls at the CPU's uh, ABI layer. Um, things like uh, iteration, like through 4-H and things like that, would have seen the biggest jump. Um, but those are mostly guesses. Um, since then, um, gosh, I'm not even sure how to answer that question in the specific other than to say, you know, it's all part of the whole 
Um, do we have a list of feature versus feature in terms of performance gain? No, uh, because we've simply been uh, measuring things sort of as a diff lands. We see the percent gain on that particular diff. Like, you know, it might be 1%, 2%, uh, maybe 9%, but we really haven't been recording those as we go. And of course, that number is going to skew as we move because our actual PHP code base is moving as as uh, hip hop is moving. So if we see a 2% diff, we might see a 1% gain on the next push because our www code has changed in a way that pulls things backwards. Uh, so it's it, it's a it's a complicated number to actually get out. That's yeah. a great non that's a great non-answer. Good, real, real good job. Jeez. It was a complete non-answer, and I took a long time giving it. But it's I, I understand. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't know if you would be able to narrow it down to like, well, we found by doing by doing X that we were able to get a big improvement. I mean, I understand, of course, Facebook's needs are different from what probably other developers who are using PHP um, want to get out of performance of the language. But um, so with the open sourcing of, of HHVM. How do you recommend people actually trying to use it in production or is it one of these things, you know, approach it very cautiously? Like, is there any kind of guides? Like if you want to use it, here are some things that you need to worry about. Well, in terms of using it in production, um, Facebook.com runs on it and we get a little bit of traffic. So I will say it's production ready. Um, Things that you should know about it. Uh, one of the things that we make optional is something called JE malloc. It's uh, sort of a, a an extra layer in the memory allocator. Um, I would actually definitely recommend running with it. It runs much better with it, much faster, and um, you tend to have fewer problems with um, um, things not getting freed in the right order with it. It's just a better memory layer. Uh, other than that. Um, depending on your distribution, it can be more or less difficulty actually getting it up. Uh, Ubuntu is sort of my favorite distribution in this regard because Ubuntu's got its libraries the most up-to-date, the most recent versions, and we really do push the envelope when it comes to versions. I'm not going to say bleeding edge versions because I screwed that up at Midwest PHP and said that we required bleeding version versions or something. Um, That's okay. But... Uh, where was it with it? Oh, yes. Ubuntu is going to offer you your best sort of out of the box in terms of getting all those requisite versions out. Uh, other uh, distributions, you're probably going to have to compile your own version of one or two libraries, particularly the esoteric ones like libunwind, libelf, libdwarf. Um, these have to do with uh, doing things really low on the processor, things that you don't normally see in most packages, things that PHP certainly doesn't use because PHP is not interested in jitting. Um, so, Good luck with finding out the libraries, but once you find them, it should just work. I uh, just because you know, I, because at work I'm leading our upgrade effort from five point two, yeah, I know, up to five four, and I'm actually trying to convince us to actually skip forward to five five because by the time stuff is ready to go into production, five five will be stable. Yeah. So uh, I've just found it interesting that uh, part of me would like a little teeny tiny part of me says, ah, we should use HHVM just so we can be doing something really kind of cool and, and, and uh, cutting edge. Um, and, well, it yeah, depends I, on what your motivations are, uh, but I, you know, I, I would definitely recommend taking a look at it. Um, one of the things that uh, is a problem with HHVM right now, and I'm not going to lie about this is that we don't have full parity with regular PHP. On all the uh, language level things, you know, namespaces, closures, trades, blah, 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 
everything is, will work the same way PHP works, and it'll even break the same way PHP breaks in a lot of cases, uh, because PHP has its own set of issues. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when it comes to the extension library and all the, the runtime support, though, um, we don't have every extension implemented. We're trying to catch up, but there's a lot out there. Um, and PHP, as you know, is a kitchen sink. So if you require some of those extensions, you may run into some problems. Fair enough. I mean, I know that at Cinecor, I don't think we're using anything really weird or esoteric, but you never know. It's just, uh, you know, just like I said, the the uh, the desire to work on things that are interesting sometimes uh, pops up at the most inopportune moment and makes you push, push for things that would just be kind of crazy. I mean, I know that my main... Uh, impetus for getting us onto five fours. I would like to use a version of PHP that is younger than my daughter who's eight. So that's <laughs> kind of part of it. Um, and also I think that in terms of, and I think this is, some, I've talked to other people about this. I think in terms of trying to attract people to come work for you, where, wherever you are, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're using really like ancient versions of the tools that are running core parts of your business, you don't look um, sexy. Well, yeah, you may have a hard time attracting people who want to work on really hard problems because they may just look and say, oh, you guys are using Perl on the back end and you're using <laughs> PHP 5.2. It's like, are you from the past? Um, so that's part of it too. I said, and, and I also said that, you know, um, I always, they asked me why. I'm like, I'm always a firm believer in using the latest stable versions of whatever um, tools that you're using. And when you, when I put together a nice list for my boss at the time, um, of here's here's a here's just a, a tiny slice of all the reasons why we should be upgrading. When they saw the total number of bug fixes that have been done between five two and five four, I'm compelling. like that alone, that alone is reason to look at it because look at all these security holes. Look at all these actual things that other researchers have identified as flaws with PHP that now have been patched. Uh, certain types of attacks, certain buffer overflows, all sorts of things. I had this humongous long list I had to go through and start plucking stuff out to try to make the case. So, and that's another reason. Like, if we can keep pushing forward and using stable versions, then newer versions of PHP almost always run faster and use less resources, which means that we can use the same number of machines that we're using and serve more traffic or, you know, consume more resources than we were doing before. Well, that's absolutely That's kind of how I try to sell it. Um, particularly the performance thing is something I wanted to really mention because uh, 5.3 made some good gains on 5.2, but 5.4 made some awesome gains on previous versions. Um, it is significantly faster than 5.2, and that alone, to me, is, is worth it. Um, of course, the bug fixes are nice too. All right, so let's so that's so we'll we'll post links to HHVM um, in the show notes. So if people want to go download it and fire up an Ubuntu VM and see if they can get it running, that that would be cool. So the next thing I wanted to move on to was talking about PHP internals. Um, yes, the PHP internals mailing list uh, has a reputation of being a place. I'm trying to think of the right phrase. Not for the faint of heart. Uh, <laughs> And other people told me not also a place to go if you're actually interested in get in watching stuff get done, because uh, many people have, and I'm not going to name any names, have left PHP because because they felt like there was no possible way for um, for any sort of significant change to happen to PHP, and that that PHP only changes when people who are on the internals who actually contribute to the language want to change something that they seem to be very resistant to people, very resistant to people who do not actually submit patches and write code that if they have an idea 
that they would like to see implemented. It's basically if you can't do it yourself, there's no hope in hell of getting it implemented. So let's. I wanted to get your kind of thoughts on more like kind of an insider's view of what the PHP internals is kind of really like and whether people, if people have a wrong impression or if they have the right impression, but there's reasons that it is that way. There is definitely a degree of truth to that. Truth to that. Um, the, 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 expre- the sort of title, I guess you would call it, came up uh, a lot of years ago of core dev, as if there's a sort of a special category for people who work on the internals of PHP and those who don't. Um, and certainly, you know, like you said, when somebody comes up with an idea, they say, hey, would it be cool if we implemented this? And, you know, the reality is, yeah, it would be cool, but have you thought out that idea completely? Um, have you thought of the edge cases for it? Do you expect me to do that work for you? Um, there's a little, there's a degree of elitism in that, but there's also a degree of, hey, this is open source and we should all be working on it. So if you want, if you provide a patch, A, that helps solidify what your idea is, and B, that shows that you're passionate enough and about, about it to make it happen. Now, of course, the other side of that coin is that A, not everybody out there using PHP even knows C or how to deal with uh, pointers and references and things like that um, at the C level. Um, and B, PHP's extension API is actually quite um, complicated. Uh, so getting into that and actually doing something can be a big uphill battle for a lot of people. So uh, in terms, that, that's sort of like half that question. Um, the other half of it is sort of the, um, the ossification of, uh, of the language. Because uh, in the early days of PHP, um, you know, the first 10 years or so, it was a really sort of cowboy, wild west sort of thing. A developer who has karma to the repository says, hey, you know, I think we should have this new function. Uh, CVS commit done. Um, I think this function should um, behave its change its behavior, but I'll keep it in a not backwards compatibility breaking fashion. Commit done. What you wind up with is a really inconsistent looking API from the user uh, facing side, which is true. Uh, people love to harp on um, uh, array key ordering in functions like in array versus um, you know any of the other array functions. Yes, the famous um, haystack needle needle haystack, haystack needle. Uh, yes, debate. that's how what I was meaning to say there. Yeah, people love to harp on that because it's true. You know, PHP is not a consistent language at the user space level because it's being written by so many different people who aren't necessarily talking to each other before they implement things. Um, and to deal with this, uh, we implemented this RFC process where if you want to make a change to the language, you need to write up an RFC that explains exactly what you're planning to do. Um, ideally, attach a patch to it, but not necessarily. Um, post that to wiki.php and discuss it on the list. Actually, you know, announce it to the list. Say, here's my RFC. Let's start talking about it. Um, you need a minimum of one week of discussion, though you should probably go longer. And then you start voting on it. So you, you update your wiki to enable voting. And then that has to go for a minimum of one week. So this is bare minimum of two weeks before anything can actually get checked in um, apart from trivial bug fixes. This to a lot of people has created this barrier to actually being able to do anything for the language. And that's frustrated some people naturally. So you've seen some attrition because of that. Um, it's, it's also um, sort of invited um, 
every opinion uh, to enter the discussion, and it's hard to actually get any traction on finding a consensus because there are so many voices in the room. And don't get me wrong, that's a great thing for open source. There should be a lot of voices in the room. Um, but it would be nice if those voices um, lent themselves to actual two-way discussion versus um, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. And that goes both ways. I'm not pointing fakers at anyone here, except in the reality, I'm actually pointing at walls as if people are pointing. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's, it corrects a real problem, but it also creates one of its own, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I you know, isn't there, I, I think that in, when you make an effort to, uh, you know, organize stuff to get people, um, or to at least keep people from sort of uh, cowboy coding all over something that is that important to that many people and so many people rely on, um, it's there's going to be a level of bureaucracy that is going to be hard, that, that's going to be uncomfortable for some people. Yeah. And, but I, I, I think to some extent that that's unavoidable. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's a better solution. I mean, I'm sure you can yeah. kind of tweak things here and there and try to keep that process moving smoothly and stuff like that. But if you want to keep the process open in the sense that we're going to let anybody who wants to voice an opinion, voice an opinion, and then you kind of have to do that. There isn't really, you know, there isn't really another option. I mean, obviously other languages have taken different approaches, you know, to that and generally sort of culturally have a little bit of a different approach. Um, but that's, uh, I, you know, if you want things to be a little more organized, you're going to have to accept a little more bureaucracy. I'm not sure how else to do that. You know, it's yeah. It, it's just a bargain with the devil. You know, you have, you, you you either have no structure or you have enough structure that it's going to piss somebody off. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, certainly that's going to be the case for anybody or any project like that. I'm sorry. Someone was trying to distract me here. I should have to go have a Those jerks. Yeah, I know. Stupid family. <laughs> How dare they? I know it's terrible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, uh, so I, I think that's just the nature of the beast. I, I think I can understand why it's frustrating, but I yeah. think that's, I don't know, it's kind of the nature, that's the way things have to kind of be. You know, Sarah, I wonder that if the if PHP's um, extension API was a little bit less complicated, if um, we could end up with a scenario that's kind of like how I kind of look at Ruby and how Ruby seems to extend itself um, through gems you know what I mean? Like if somebody wants to add some kind of interesting functionality to Ruby, uh, I, it seems to me that there's kind of like a, a double barrier. You have a core team for Ruby that, that would have to accept your patch. And then there's probably some sort of language and cultural barrier because most of the Ruby devs are in Japan. So uh, there's kind of two steps to go over. I always wondered that if if the API for building extensions was easier then maybe the PHP core itself could be a lot smaller and then people could extend the language to do the things that they wanted to do just simply through, um, through extensions. Well, you know, the, the extension API could be a little bit easier. Um, and I'm, I'm actually going to give an example, which goes back to our last topic. Um, I tossed up a, a diff a couple of months ago um, for something to simplify the array fetching API. Because um, right now, dealing with arrays in PHP, um, there are basically two sets of APIs. There's a really beautifully simple one for creating arrays. You say, uh, add a soak type, 
add index type, things like that. You can just um, write things into arrays almost as easily as you would in PHP. Fetching things out is a completely ugly, different looking thing. You have to say, uh, if zend hash find the key name, including its trailing null, uh, fetch that back by reference into a pointer to a pointer to a zval, is not failure, then check that type of the zval by pointer by pointer is this type, and then get the value out of that. Um, it creates some ugly code, and it is templated copy pasta all over PHP source and all over extension land. Um, so I threw up something that's just one tiny little header file on, onto my GitHub that says, hey, here's some simplified wrappers around those to give you, uh, like, uh, PHP array fetch long or something like that would give you the long value for a particular key in array. One line, easy to go. Um, and it even got good reviews um, when I put it up as an RFC to say, hey, this all sounds great. You know, maybe we change this or that thing or the other, but it sounds great. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, the, that discussion went on so long that I kind of lost interest in it and it never got committed. <laughs> um, so there's process breaking good things from happening. Um, I should probably pick that back up. Shame I, on me. I think, th I think I remember seeing that and thinking to myself, that's a good idea that you should do that. Um, the good news about, about it, it is it's formatted as a header file. So if you're writing an extension, you can actually just grab that header file out of my Git repo, S. Goldman, by the way, um, and throw that into your project, and it'll just work. Um, ideally, though, it should be in um, in actual PHP, because that would make it simpler. Um, so to, to the rest of your question, um, do, do, you think, do I think we could see... Um, uh, a larger body of ex uh, extension contributors if the API were simpler. Perhaps, um, I think the main barrier to people writing extensions is simply understanding C and sort of internalizing how that works. Um, and the the sort of uh, impression that if you're writing an extension as opposed to just a pair class, it's going to be harder to encourage um, users out there to actually adopt it. Pair is really easy to adopt. You can just grab a PHP file, you throw it in, in your directory, and you can use it. Um, with extensions, you have to have it actually compiled on your machine and loaded up by whoever runs your web server, which might not be you. Um, so there's a there's a barrier barrier to entry there, which I'm sure also applies to can Ruby gems be C code or can they only be Ruby code? Uh, I, I know that some definitely are, are some C code, and they may some of them okay. when you go to install them, they'll be like, oh, you also have to install the um, lib whatever. Yeah, it'll, it'll say that you have to install them. I'm pretty sure that it, that you can compile stuff with a gem. Uh, but I should ask some of my uh, some of the uh, Ruby people who have uh, lowered themselves to my level and are willing to talk to a PHP person. I'll have to ask about that. I know just the person to ask too. <laughs> um, yeah, so my friend Steve Klabnik. Okay, well, uh, internet friend, I guess is the best way to describe it. Okay, so let's see. Blah blah. We did this. Okay, so now. Now that we've uh, had uh, Sarah streaming out uh, technical talk about PHP, let's talk about Ed. Ed has been doing his uh, open sourcing mental illness summer tour. So how many, is it three places you've talked at now? If we talk about, we have tech and you did OzCon and you just recently did uh, Lone Star PHP. Uh, what about Open Source Bridge? Did, is that one still going? Did you go to that, or did you skip that one this year? Uh, we already did Open Source Bridge, and that was in June. And so OzCon is is coming up still. Like oh, in, so I had it reverse. So I had it. I yeah. had it reversed. Then okay, right. So so, so yeah. how so how has that been going? Ed? So um, 
yeah, that has gone really well, actually. So, yeah, we did tech, and that was the first time I did it. And then uh, we did the OS Bridge one, and that was really good. And the after the OS Bridge one, that night, um, we did a, uh, a, a boff, a birds of feather get-together uh, for... That was... Uh, kind of based around this this group uh, called Blue Hackers, bluehackers.org. And um, uh, bluehackers.org is a... Well, let me just bring it up and make sure I'm reading the right thing. But it was started a few years back. Um, I, and it, it's basically about sort of making it visible that there's lots of uh, nerdy, geeky types, uh, developer types who uh, suffer from depression, anxiety, or bipolar disorder, things like that. Uh, which, of course, is not the full gamut of mental illnesses, but uh, certainly ones that lots and lots of people suffer from. Um, and uh, so that was a good, that was a really cool meetup that was sort of like a boff slash group therapy session, I guess. Um, and uh, it was nice uh and I hadn't been in that thing for kind of a long time to sit around. And it, in a lot of ways, it was. We sat in a circle and we kind of did a little bit of a group therapy thing where we sat and kind of shared different things. They also did a couple of lightning talks at the beginning about, about a couple of topics. Um, and uh, I thought it was really, it was really interesting. And I liked that idea so much that when we did Lone Star, just this, I guess, Friday and Saturday, was it? Yeah, Friday and Saturday. Uh, just a couple days ago, um, down in Dallas that, uh, I was able to give my talk. And then at, right after that, I tried to kind of do a similar thing, uh, that was, you know, a, a blue hackers buff. And, uh, it worked out really pretty cool. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, not a ton of people, but a few people came to it and we talked about some stuff and it was a cool kind of like a place where people could, we could share a little bit more about stuff in a, in a safe place and kind of talk about the stuff we're going through, whether it's our own things or, or say family or friends who are suffering from this kind of stuff and what it's like dealing with that. And, uh, it was really interesting and really positive. Um, you know, uh, I had a guy <laughs> actually just talk to me like, uh, uh, like, 20 minutes ago, while you're doing this, uh, texted me, not texted me, direct messaged me and said that he had just talked to his wife for the, like, for the first time and sort of, like, talked about it and said, yes, I've got anxiety, you know, some kind of anxiety issues. And that he was able to use, like, those, that term for the first time and sort of accept that. And that I, I'm amazed that, but I, you know, I think maybe, just seeing somebody able to kind of talk about stuff openly is really helping people. Um, I always, you know, when I give this talk, I get a lot of people come up and talk to me about stuff. And um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's always scary a little bit for me because I'm afraid, you know, like, I don't what the hell do I know? Like, what do I, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here and I'm just talking about what I'm, I'm doing. And I hope, I hope I, I, I can, I can help them and I, you know, but it's, it's, it's also reassuring that I'm reaching that, like I'm reaching a lot of people and people like that this is connecting with them, right? That this is something that's, it's touching them and, and making them talk about stuff that they wouldn't normally talk about. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, it's really kind of heavy in that respect. Like I don't, 
it's 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 amazing and surprising and it's going really well um i mean i it's it's anything i could have expected was going to happen and more you know that it's just going so well that people are so uh responsive to it um and uh so the next thing uh is is ozcon uh the o'reilly open source conference that's uh in portland july 22nd through 25th so i was able to go there and really the only reason i was able to go there was because people donated money to me in that indiegogo thing i wouldn't i probably i would not have been able to go i'm pretty sure uh so that money like directly allows is allowing me to give this talk there um which is really cool um and then uh let's see then august i'm going to give it at distill the engine yard conference um, which is pretty cool. And I was actually talking with a couple guys because there were a couple guys from engine yard at uh Lone Star and, uh, we were talking about that and, uh, you know, we we're going to give that thing. And that was, that was just really awesome and amazing. And, uh, I'm excited about doing that. Uh, and then I'm going to go to, uh, probably a recent one. I think the one I was added most recently was Madison Ruby, which is August 24th. I think, let me just make sure I'm telling everybody the right date. Uh, August 22nd, and then the conference, that's when workshops are, and then August 23rd and 24th is when the conference is. And I'm actually listed on it as the speaker, as a speaker there, which is really weird. I'm listed, um, right next to Martin Atkins, who, uh, I don't know if you paid attention to industrial music at all, you will know who Martin Atkins is. He was the guy who started Pigface. Um, uh, and he did, he started Invisible Records, which is kind of crazy. Um, but there's a couple of people we actually know. Steve Klabnik is going to speak there too. Oh, cool. And Justin Searles, who's been on the podcast, is going to be there, which is really awesome. Um, so that's really cool. Um, I am, uh, honored to speak there because I know that there weren't a bunch of like openings for this. They, they had like, I think they had, I think they had like hand selected some of the speakers and asked them to come and then also had like an open, uh, call for papers for like 10 slots or something. And I think I was, I was really uh, happy to be able to give that talk. Um, I want to see if they left in the parts where I said I made, uh, PHP libraries in, uh, in this. Oh yeah, it looks like they did. I wasn't sure if they would, if they just delete out any of my PHP experience <laughs> from the, from the biography. Um, anyway, uh, I was just making a joke about that, but that was funny. Um, let's see, uh, what else? And then, okay. So, and then September, I don't have anything, which might be good. Cause, um, I think, uh, my family and I may need a little bit of a break for me traveling every other week. Um, and then, uh, then in, um, let's see, in October, oh, no, no, September, yeah, I don't have anything in September. And then October, uh, we've got uh, Brooklyn Bay is coming up, um, and I expect that even if there, if, I don't I don't know that I'm going to do anything like an official speaker there or anything like that, but if there's an opportunity, I'm going to see if I can't do something sort of on the side when I'm out there. And then, um, and then in November is True North PHP. As we Correct, all and we just launched our call for papers. Yes, today. yeah, and that's really Ooh. cool. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm going to have my uh, my passport warmed up because I'm going to Montreal next week for work. Nice. Stuff. So nice. Uh, so um, it, it it may be that I arrive there early, 
like a few months early if I can't get back into the States. So I might be staying with you. Uh, after no that. problem. I have a nice comfy uh, couch in my office. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, the call for papers for um, True North PHP went up today, and that's actually an app that I wrote along with the two other um, guys who helped me organize things. So there's always this trepidation. Did we do enough testing? Of course, the answer is always no, we didn't. So of not. Found, found a few things this morning where people were like, this stuff isn't working. And, and like with everything else, the, the anxiety that I feel about it, of course, is blown out of proportion because I'm like, well, I can go, I can go fix it. So at least I can fix it. I can push the changes up. But yes, the app is, and, and we decided when we built the app to accept the proposals, that uh, we would open source it so people will be able to go get the source and and hopefully use it for their own conferences to, um, to help push things forward. Because there really was no good call for paper app that I had seen um, for PHP folks. And since I need to get it done, like within a couple of weeks, it, it had to be in PHP. I couldn't possibly write a brand new app and learn a new language and a new framework all at the same time. So I had to drop back to the old, uh, to the old utility, uh, utility tool that is PHP. You know what would be really awesome for that is integrate what? it into joint in. Um, that is definitely coming. What we're kind of doing this in, in two um, stages. The first thing was just get the damn thing working and people okay, could accept yeah. talks. And then over the next month, over July, while people are submitting their talks, we're going to build out all the um, all the admin stuff so that the three of us who are approving everything can go see everyone's talks. And then once we approve things, then yeah, we'll be definitely integrating with the joined in API to create the event and then, and then automatically add talks in so people can, can do all that stuff. Yes. I love joined in very happy to help promote it and would be even better if I can figure out how to get everything integrated. But of course I, oh, choose no, to I, take, I, I was suggesting build it into joined in, like, like make uh, it just, part of, you know, joined in module. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to see. I mean, maybe it would be easy. Maybe it would be difficult. Um, I don't know. Um, um, Lord, given that, forgive me if I didn't try to get you to do it. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that I did do was able to, after trying to roll my own thing after a while, I gave up and like, I need to do something a little bit easier. So we're using Silex for it. So I don't know what, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, joined in is built on. So that may be a slight problem if it's, if there's some sort of, uh, f- uh framework impedance, um, happening. It would be good if it was just a module for joined in, but given the time constraints, just couldn't make it happen. Maybe it's something to do in the, to do in the in the fall um, when I have more time when I'm not playing baseball, watching baseball, um, wa- taking my daughter to her softball practices, and then p- and then I pick back up a very extremely old addiction that I had of playing Magic the Gathering. So I don't know when I yes, will have time to do time to do anything at all. In fact, I'm cheating and I'm watching someone streaming and playing Magic online while I'm talking to you guys as well. I'm I'm hopelessly hooked again. So. I'm not enough to captivate your attention. God. Oh, you, oh, you are. You are. I just have, I have the sound off, so I can't hear what the people are saying. I'm just kind of watching them play out of the corner of my eye. You mean you have the sound off from the podcast or from, yeah, the, no, 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 from, from the video from the video of the person playing? So. Okay, real good talk. Let's move on to the next one. Um, Sarah, do well, you- maybe if there's somebody else out there who wants to work on joined in, they could contribute by writing a CFP application for it. Yeah, that's clean. Nudge, that's nudge. A good, that's a good idea. Well, well, I think I think probably the next step is once we get through our call for papers, is to look at it and say how much work would it be to extract kind of the model of what we've done and embed it into joined in. Yeah. Um, because again, like I, I have no idea what joined in was built with, so. Um, hopefully it's not something really weird like Code Igniter. Yeah, it just I, cause me to 
I think it caused me to to uh, endlessly and recursively flip tables. I so. think I think it I think it was released originally. They may have moved it to something, but it was originally built on top of coding editor. I think. Oh come on! I hope that's not really the case. Because because I agree with Sarah, it actually would be good if a call for papers thing was built into joined in. Um, uh, I would love to see that happen. It's just a case of I. I had to get this thing done. Oh, it was on my yeah. shoulders because I said I because for True North I'm the one responsible for all the speaker stuff. So anybody who wants to submit talks and other things, they should be talking to me, and I will be handling making sure people get their hotels and telling them to book their flights and all that other wonderful stuff. That's my that's my cross to bear this year for the conference. And writing the app was easier than having to read everyone's emails. Yeah. Um, well, well, I just thought it would look bad. Uh, after I promised an app that yeah. we, we that we didn't have one, there was some talk of like using like a Google Docs thing to submit your talk, and I was like, yeah, nope. no, it's, it's nah, that looks clowny. Yeah, yeah. So we have to have a little bit of legitimacy. So um, the app actually looks okay, and I'm pretty sure that it's working okay. But I am encouraging people if they if they sign up for an for an account, and if they submit a talk and that there's errors, that they go to um, go to the issues page for the project. And let us know what's going on. And I do know that Hugo Hamon, who's one of the big time uh, symphony peeps uh, who spoke at True North and I ran into him at some other conferences, is very graciously uh, uh, looking at the app and he made some suggestions for reorganizing things. And I'm not too ashamed to admit that I look at his organization and said, I felt like he was javifying my project, so I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> uh, I kind of looked, yeah, I see what you're doing there, but I'm not sure I'm entirely happy with all these service providers and everything else. It's like, yeah, I wanted to keep it simple. And I feel like what you're doing is probably making it more extendable and maintainable, but damn it. The don't javify my PHP bit is being flipped for no good reason other than, I don't know, just ego and fear and anxiety. That's the only, only thing I can think of why I would object to someone who's really proficient with symphony looking at it and saying, I suggest you reorganize it this way. Cause I feel like a little eight year old who's going to take his ball and go home. I don't know, man. It's something super verbose and Java-like sounds a lot like Symphony to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I picked Silex because like, yeah, I picked Silex because it seemed like a good um, middle ground, um, yeah. enough structure that I could use its routing, and it was very flexible in how you could implement things. So I thought Silex was good, but I, I'm I'm sure that I will actually probably be outvoted because this is a democratic project. So if the two others outvote me, then I'll have no choice but to say, "Fine, I'll accept the uh, I'll accept the pull request, and we can reorg reorganize things to make it a little bit more extensible." Because I do have to think of the idea that it will be people beyond just us who are using this app. So it's probably some short term pain for um, long term gain. That's kind of how these things end up working. Import class. Speaker proposal Stop generator it. interface it. iterator. We're also just writing in Go, and then we'll be done with it. Because yes, I actually have my first bit of of code, uh, a stealth co stealth production code, as I call it. It's doing something that I had working already with Perl because we use lots of Perl at Cinecore, and so I rewrote it in Go. And I had a lot of fun actually getting this thing to work uh, to get this little. Uh, tool that I wrote to work with Go. And it was a very different experience for me because it being a compiled language, I had no experience with that at all. But mm. I found Go itself, most of what I'm, when I look at the code, most of it makes sense. And I just have to kind of learn when I see something, I'm like trying to understand what the code is trying to tell me. Um, I found it very interesting. You should call it Gorp. And they should fork it and call it Gorp. Gorp. Like <laughs> 
Oh, we're at the punch drunk stage, aren't we, Ed? One hour and one hour and eleven minutes into the conversation, but not necessarily the entire conversation. Because we talked about things just to show how elitist we are. We talked about things before the stream that we're not allowed to share with the rest of you. Thank you for some insider information, Sarah. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mine some bitcoins based on that information. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Bitcoins, bitches. It's where it's at. So anything else we wanted to talk about? Let's look here. Blah, blah, true enough, CFP, Ed's latest talk speech, mentors, HHVM. No. Anything else um, that you wanted to talk about, Sarah, while we have you here? Uh, I had a list of things related to HHVM, but mostly they just come down to trying to sell people on it. Um, it's uh, yeah. uh, it's awesome. It's performance. It has got so many features that do not exist in PHP and probably can't exist in PHP, so it's worth a look, mm-hmm. and I'll leave it at that. I won't try to oversell it. But I've got an important question. Uh-huh. Does it run WordPress? Yes, it does. That's excellent. It also, it also runs uh, MediaWiki. It <laughs> also runs... Um, we've got the list of top 20 um, projects using PHP, according to GitHub. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're our, our goal is to make it pass all 20 of those um, perfectly by um, a later date. Um <laughs> We don't have all 20 of those yet. Um, Symphony's giving us the most trouble because apparently Symphony uses everything. Um, but we've Symphony. got some others. We've got Cake um, doing really well. We've got, uh, what else do we actually, I should have had a list. Um, we've got something like a quarter of that top 20 um, working perfectly well. Um, and a, most of the rest really, really close. But does it blend? Oh, God, now I have to make that YouTube video. Uh, yes. Oh, God, now it's going to have to happen. Here's, gonna... hip, here's the source code for hip, hip, for HHVM. We yeah, put it on the printer and let's see what yeah. happens. What are you, you going to do, like, print it out on a dot matrix printer and then shove it in a blender? That would be awesome. Oh, well. You want to talk about, we were talking about this before, comforting ambient noises. Uh, dot matrix printer is one of those for me, for mm. some stupid reason. Yeah, I know what you I hear that. I hear that and it takes me back to a time when, I could program stuff and nobody would pay me and it was okay. You know, put that printer in the next room. I probably could go to sleep to that. Oh, man. I wonder if I could get my... <laughs> I wonder if I could get my wife to go for that. Let's see how that... Oh, buy a, buy, find an old dot matrix printer. And that, set that or, or I was just thinking, like we were talking about, I think before we were recording, but the, like an arc, ambient arcade sounds. I wonder if she... I don't think she'd feel that comfortable with that oh well well you know what i think we've reached the end of another exciting episode of the development hell podcast i think you're right so thank you so much sarah for coming on i hope to see submissions from you for um true north php would love to have you come up to kanukistan and school us on hhvm and why every php developer who wants to do something non-trivial um should be no that's how i feel about it that everyone should be taking a look at this and deciding if it's right for their stack because the idea of a just-in-time compiler for PHP because being a computer nerd, that sounds fucking awesome. It is fucking awesome. And there's Mm -hmm. so many things that are in the stack that aren't even about performance. There's a bunch of things in there about just maintainability and writing good, clean code and code that is not, you know, subject to XSS and all kinds of other issues. Um, uh, Yes, I'll I'll save it for the conference. 
And awesome. I absolutely will now that the CFP is open. Go yes. straight up and throw three or four in your stack. Wicked. And so, as always, we want to thank our wonderful sponsors from Engine Yard, Trailblazers, and purveyors of platform as a service. If you are, uh, if you want to be able to run your code, I believe it's PHP they support, Ruby. I believe they do Node as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But if you like the idea of running your code in a sandbox that is scalable and also available at reasonable rates, we highly suggest that you check out um, Engine yard um so you can find everything to do with this podcast at dev is it dev hell god i always get this wrong because i always mix it up and it yells at me dev hell.info um yes. is the website you can find every find all our archives every single episode along with show notes um graphics and some um uh, witty text retorts from either myself or from mr finkler um you can find us on twitter at dev underscore hell um, we try to read all the tweets one of these days. I'll ask Ed for the password so I can check it as well. Um, although, although since I follow him, so usually Ed's pretty good about retweeting stuff that comes through. Um, you can find me on Twitter, grumpy programmer without the U. You can find Ed on Twitter, Buckatron with a U. Thanks to everyone who is an IRC. Um, we, I, we thought we got, would have gotten more questions, but hey, this is pretty technical stuff. Maybe a lot of the people just don't care about HHVM and shame on you. You are bad. Shame on bad. you. So this has been episode number 34. Thanks so much, and we will talk to you all. Bye. Bye.